0: This is Yolando, and this is Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast.
1: This is Kate, and as always, we are talking about what we're preaching about, what we're thinking about, and first up is what's astonishing us. Um, so I will say that my goal every week, um, we talk about being astonished, is the spiritual discipline of noticing um, God's presence in the world, and if we notice God's presence, then we'll always be astonished, Right. And sometimes we don't notice because we get caught up in ourselves and there's no room for wonder and awe. Um, So it's always my intention to have something really inspiring um, to share in this moment. And sometimes um, it's easier for me to be astonished at things that anger me or disappoint me. Um, And so that, you know, unfortunately, is kind of where I am that when I'm honest about what's bringing me most energy in this moment it's being annoyed at like customer service when I try to order some birthday flowers and it's being annoyed at you know people around me for being human and so I'm just sort of astonished at um the gap between who I who I know Christ to be who I feel called to be who I sometimes by the grace of God can authentically be and then who I am on a Tuesday morning in January when as every January, it doesn't feel like a fresh start. Um, We were staying on the walk earlier that every January for me feels like finding myself in the middle, like halfway through a semester walking in for my first day of calculus (laughs) class and finding out that the midterm is tomorrow and I'm just, you know, there's no hope. So I I know I am astonished that um, this is how I feel. And yet, It's how I always feel this time of year, and so I'm trying not to um, make my feelings be the most, um, you know, powerful reality of my life, recognizing there's a reality beyond my feelings and um, naming them and moving on, but sort of just astonished that here I am, right right back, right back where I knew I'd be in this beginning of January, so...
0: It's yeah, I, I have to confess that I have not been disciplined. Yeah. Noticing God's presence, noticing the good and so driving in this morning, I thought, you know, I've got to find something to be astonished by and I'll just make up something. And
1: yeah.
0: I just don't want to do that. And so I have to confess that I just haven't been disciplined and yeah. you know, and that's why the Bible says things like, you know, we were talking um mm-hmm. on our walk. Um, Whatever is good, lovely, true, praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think about these things. Um, Because often I think we do, until I started making this podcast with you, being astonished was something that just came Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. by accident, right? Instead of a discipline of noticing.
1: Well, I don't think it's ever... It's ever really been by accident. I mean, I do think that there's like we're trying, and one of the reasons that our friendship is really life giving is that we both are trying to orient ourselves to the gift of this work and the gift of our communities in a particular way, and also to our role in the context of God's power and goodness and God's promises, not necessarily what we think we deserve or what other people seem to have or mm-hmm. you know what you know but what does god actually promise and what did we actually agree to do so mm-hmm. that we can walk in this work with um gratitude and not entitlement and i do think that orienting yourself in that way does help you you know to 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 see god's goodness instead of just thank you next <laughs> right yeah. which yeah. i which i think is just the human condition but i also think you know for both of us um I mean, we joke a lot, or I joke a lot with people that I'm not. You know, I'm I'm not. This is a weird thing, I think, for a pastor to say to most people. But I'm not an intrinsically good. Well, I mean, I'm just not an intrinsically spiritual person. Like, I'm not a kind of like om bliss, sit around, you know, have these metaphysical. But you know, I'm I'm a pretty concrete, literal thinker, and. um, So I think often we feel like people who are astonished are just people who got like hit with the wonder stick instead of, you know, the, the witness of tradition and experience and the lives of the saints say that, no, it's not a, you know, it's not a matter of personality. It's not a matter of blind luck. It's a matter of submission to sort of the, Mm um, quotation, that's a word like ordinary Mm -hmm. everyday tasks of, you know, prayer when you don't feel like it and, and, um, you know, meditation on the word when you don't feel mm-hmm. like it and looking and giving thanks when you don't feel like it and then that these things produce awareness, which produces astonishment yeah. or just sort of saying like, today I'm going to do what I feel like, which is mm-hmm. being mad or being, being angry or feeling entitled. And these things don't breed life. They breed death. So I think like, it's helpful for me to notice like, gosh, is all my passion around, you know, what's annoying me yeah. <laughs> and and I want everybody to join the do better club, but, but I'm good. Or am I, am I reorienting, reorienting myself to who God is, which takes me out of the starring role of my own life, which is hard yeah. on my ego, um, but it's good for my soul. Right. So I think even the practice of saying, you know, having a moment of confession and saying, okay, I'm not astonished and the problem is not the world. The problem's me. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Cause even though we're wired differently, you're mm -hmm. concrete. I'm more introvert, internal. My problem is still the same. Right. 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 I am in my own internal world, all focused on my to-do list, Mm -hmm. how I'm behind, um, and not on the presence and wonder of God. And what god is doing and what god has promised
1: right and i think like for for all of us when when we're not feeling what we know to be true a lot of times what we then do is go look for a shortcut right Mm -hmm. like we want some the magic beans or the special mantra or whatever to get us to this place and like the witness of scripture is there's no shortcut like there's no path for ordinary people and then path for mystics Mm -hmm. like the reality is and lisa coons uses this metaphor um, all the time. in fact, she rebuked me quite love, <laughs> love, love in a lovely way several years ago because she sometimes will talk about her prayer experiences and we were talking about my prayer life, and I was sort of saying, uh, it's it's mediocre at best. And I said something like, my gosh, if I had the kinds of mystical experiences of God that you had I would pray more and she just looked at me and said, "Do you think that's how it is every time I go to pray?" Right? Wow. Like, "No, yeah. that's not yeah. how it is every time I go to pray, mm-hmm. but you you do the you, you do the thing. You submit yourself. You surrender your time." And she said, "It's much more helpful to think about prayer In the way that a farmer goes to a field. Like a Mm, farmer mm -hmm. every day of the year has work to do in the field. And Mm. some days, like you go out and the sun is rising and the dew is fresh and the wind is scented with clover and the world is new and you just feel amazing. And sometimes you go out and it's February Mm -hmm. and dust is in your face and nothing is growing and you just go out to the field every day because you have experience. That says that even when I can't see that something is happening, something Something is happening happening. and my participation in that something has a direct result in the kind of harvest that I yield, which is not worse righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so I, anyway, so I think I appreciate knowing that and remembering that, that if I'm not experiencing the awe and wonder of God, it's not God who has not shown up. It's me. Um, And, and I appreciate a friendship where we hold each other yeah. accountable to being able to say, like, who, who do we want to be in this life and not in a, you know, and just in a really, I think, healthy way. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that we wanted to do this podcast was sort of seeing how many pastors we knew who either didn't have any friendships at all mm. or pastors who would get together in groups and just complain. And Lord knows we can vent and that doesn't make it onto the podcast, but also recognizing that that's just not ultimately that there is a small place for that, but ultimately that doesn't change anything. And so mm-hmm. wanting to have friendships and nurture friendships where we say like, okay, but okay, but <laughs> now yeah, what? Yeah, and who do you yeah, want to be? Yeah. And this, these are all the things you can't control. And these are all the things that are not fair. And Jesus died on a cross. So what are you going to do today? Well, I'm the-
0: reminded of that um, Dallas Willard quote that we oh, like: yeah. God is not opposed to God. Yeah. God is not. God is opposed to.
1: It's not God. Farming. It's grace. It's grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. earning. That's And it. that, and I just That's said it. that on Sunday in yeah. church. So we yeah. were talking about wow. um, the new year and our um, sermon series is on like worth fighting for and yeah. our mission and yeah. just about this idea that like yeah we don't just sit around and wait for like the fairy <laughs> to sprinkle dust on us and all of a sudden we're like the kingdom of Neverland. Like mm. there's a mission. Yeah. We have to work for the mission. And we were talking about. Um, we showed a clip from Creed. Where Rocky takes him to the mirror and was like, every time you step in the ring, this is your real opponent. Yeah. And of course, he's looking at himself and just talking about like, this is who you're fighting. You're fighting yourself. Mm-hmm. And so often we as believers walk through the world as if we're fighting other people and like, we'd be fine if only they would, if only he would, if only they you know, and the reality is every day we have a choice, kingdom of this world, kingdom of heaven. And there's going to be a million reasons and excuses and, you know, stories that would We can tell to justify ourselves in choosing the ways of the world as opposed to the ways of the kingdom. And the reality is we fight our own ego, our own natural preferences, our own habits every day. That's who we're fighting. Mm -hmm. And so, and the great thing about knowing that you're fighting yourself is that then you can say like, gosh, I'm weak. I need help. Yeah. Instead of praying the prayer of like, God, please help fix them, them. (laughs) which is not, which I don't think God answers or not in a way that satisfies (laughs) us. So... Anyway, so that's where we are. Um,
0: what are we thinking about?
1: Um, well, I am still reading and really liking um, this book by James Bryan Smith about the good and beautiful community, which is the third in a series. The first is The Good and Beautiful God, which I haven't read. The second is The Good and Beautiful Life, which I'm also kind of co-reading. Mm-hmm. And then this one is on the good and beautiful community. And really, it is talking about how we as a as a church and our churches can really be intentional about cultivating Christ-likeness, like the presence of Christ in Mm -hmm. our community. And again, not just expecting that to either happen or not happen and not expecting that to happen without our awareness or intentionality and not expecting that those people over there Mm -hmm. are going to take care of it. But I'm, I just get to partake in it. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I'm, I'm very much at the beginning of the book, but I'm, I'm just really inspired and challenged by it. And I I think I've touched on it before in here, but I just wrote down some things that I'm really liking. And he talks about just having a living faith. And I think so often we talk about helping people have faith or people come to a Christian community to build a faith or to grow a faith. And he talks about having not just faith, but having a living faith and that a lot of people have faith, but it's a dead faith. So it's either sort of a faith in social justice, which, I mean, acts of goodness are an expression of our life in Christ. But if that's the focus of what we do, then the act becomes the thing in and of itself. And then that breeds all kinds of self-righteousness. And it's it's just not healthy. Or having a faith in like our doctrinal purity or our personal piety. And again, the emphasis comes back on us. And he says, both of those things, I mean, they aren't faith. Mm -hmm. They're just a dead faith. Um, They're like the dead sea and nothing living comes out of them. But if we have a living faith, um, which for me, I'm still at the stage where it's easier to see what I'm, what it's not than what it is. But I do mm. think that a one character or characteristic, one hallmark of a living faith is that other people's lives will be enriched and changed for the good because of what we believe, right? So my faith isn't just about me and God, mm-hmm. but my faith in God My experience of the indwelling of Christ in me changes the way I walk through a world in such a way that you, whether you're my literal brother or my spouse or my Mm -hmm. child or the server in the restaurant, Mm -hmm. you experience your reality different when you encounter me, right? So maybe it's because I authentically check myself when you bring me the wrong soup, right? Mm -hmm. Because I Mm -hmm. am able to see you as a human or, or, you know, I'm able to have more right expectations of the people I live with, or I'm able to speak the truth boldly um, in a political sense, or anyway, it's just a really interesting thing to talk about, not just because I think at the Grove we talk a lot about serving people and that's good. But I think we also just this next level of how does what we believe bless other people. Not necessarily because of the actual tasks we may or may not do for them, mm-hmm. but because we show up in the world in a different place, which then, you know, breaks bonds and, you know, what what's the thing about the keys to the kingdom? You know, you you um whatever you bind on earth will be yeah, bound and yeah, lose not, You yeah, know, that yeah. and I think like that's very ironically given our earlier conversation, it's very metaphysical. It's mm-hmm. very special. But I mean that's That's what I believe. Like, if we don't believe that Christ actually dwells in us and that Christ is still in the business of changing lives, then then I want to hang it up and go work for Habitat for Humanity, right? Like, I believe that this is supernatural work that we're involved in, regardless of how I feel it. I mean, that's what, I mean, it's not reasonable to dedicate your whole life to faith and to the body of Christ and not be looking for supernatural outcome and intervention i mean that's foolish and to believe it is foolish but to act like all of this is just reasonable is 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 also foolish it's just dumb and so uh, um anyway so those are my thoughts (laughs) not that they would be helpful to anyone else but
0: just to add no but i think they're good thoughts and it's just so easy for us to fall into the rut of faith in doctrine or faith in right action. And lose sight of faith in a person, the person of Christ, and this sense of being um, obedient. But even more than that, um, I I love that image of of yoked mm-hmm. uh, to Christ, um, and and Him doing the the major work. Yeah,
1: that's the uh, thing. Or, like being
0: apprenticed.
1: Yeah, my by hope Christ. is not. In the growth of the church, my hope is not in who's going to show up next week. My hope is not in the fact that we're going to get better at doing the things we're doing or, you know, that we're going to improve. I I mean, I, I want to work for all of those things to happen, but my hope lies in the fact that I actually believe the ridiculous truth that Jesus is alive Mm -hmm. and at work Mm -hmm. in the grove in our acts of faith expressed in love in the same way that Jesus was alive and at work in the lives of the first disciples who were just radically transformed, not doctrinally, although Mm -hmm. that was part of it, but were radically personally transformed. Like they became different people, not only with the capacity to do different tasks, Mm -hmm. but to see the world in a different way and to welcome other people into that way of living, right? So my hope is not in me or in us or in the next great program we may or may not come up with. My hope is in the fact that the sum is greater than the parts. The total, What is that saying? The total is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. You know what I mean? That there's something beyond all of that and that that something is actually Jesus and that's what makes me feel like, okay, I'm going to show up again and do this work. I'm not astonished at anything today, yeah. but... I still believe that Jesus is there and at work and, and I have hope in that, not in anything else. And that
0: reminds me of that great image from the Gospel of John where Jesus talks about um, you know, that he's the vine, we're the branches. Right. And if we stay in this relationship, it's just natural mm-hmm. that the branch receives the sap that's in the vine and bears fruit. Mm-hmm. And so if we will stay in relationship with Jesus. It is the natural outworking of that, that we will be different people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a good thing to be in Jane Ray when we're halfway behind (laughs) through the middle of the calculus semester to be like, oh, I'm not feeling good about my chances, but, um, but, but I believe that God is in this work and there's tons of signs of that, you know, in the present and in the past. Mm. And so that, that's what I'm thinking about. That's what's, um,
0: so what are we preaching?
1: So I'm preaching the next installment of this resolved, um, worth fighting for where we're breaking our mission statement down into three parts. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this week, nobody, <laughs> no, no preaching professor can listen to this, but, um, so this week we're taking the first part of the sermon series where, I'm sorry, the first part of our mission statement, which is inviting all and really want to talk about what does all really mean to all. And the answer mm-hmm. is Yes. And so if the answer is yes, then it's going to be a mess, right? It's just going to be a mess when we're saying that everyone is welcome in this space and everybody's going to show up in this space as their true selves, which means they're going to have different abilities and different expectations and different senses of what's right and what's appropriate. And if we're going to welcome everybody, then we have to let them come as they are, even as we're all being changed. And that means there's going to be conflict. And we need to not be surprised by Mm -hmm. it or even Mm -hmm. discouraged by it. What we need to do is be ready for it and to really know before it hits what our own individual values Mm -hmm. about conflict are. So it's not avoiding it. Mm -hmm. um, And it's also not fighting as the world might fight, but being able to walk into an uncomfortable conversation Mm -hmm. um, with humility, with love, to tell the truth, even if that might make someone not like you anymore, but also walking into that conversation, recognizing that the person who might be the problem might be you, so ready to hear the truth. Imagine that, right? And just and then I think for me, and I'm a very conflict-avoidant person, um, that my I, I it hurts my feelings that you laugh there. I'm just gonna say it hurts my feelings. Um, But I am when it comes to relationships. I really don't want to have a conversation with someone that might make them not like me, particularly somebody in my church, somebody that Mm. I feel, you know, like I've been called a pastor and I just, Mm. you know, I don't, I don't want people to feel judged or unloved. And sometimes if you tell the truth, that's naturally how Mm. people are going to feel. But I think for me, having enough faith to walk into a conversation, knowing not only that I might be hurt, but that also what's even worse for me is that I might hurt another person and still trusting that if if what's happening in that conversation is truth is being spoken with love and humility, then even if the feelings are uncomfortable, even if there's anger, even if there's sadness that Jesus is in that conversation yeah. and that Jesus can do something with that pain, with that brokenness, you know, not when you go in like with your spiritual machine gun, trying to shoot people up mm-hmm. just for the joy. I mean, like, mm-hmm. but if you're really not wanting to hurt people, but knowing that if yeah. you say like, Hey, when you didn't come and do this thing, here's what happens. And here's what I need in the future. Or, Hey, when you made that joke, it really came across as, you know, whatever it is, um, that that when we avoid those chances, those conversations, we avoid conflict. then when the truth isn't spoken, then Jesus can't heal and Jesus can't build. Um, and so yeah. as a community that is really intentionally called and trying to be diverse, we're going to have to expect there to be conflict. And we're going to have to not avoid it, mm. but walk into it. Because if we can't be truthful in our relationships with one another, then we're not a real authentic community. Mm -hmm. We're just people who look different and sit next to each other on a Sunday morning, which is better than looking the same and sitting next to each other, but is far from the kingdom of God. Right. That
0: reminds me of the, um, uh, that place in acts where, um, John Mark leaves the first missionary journey. Oh yeah. And then Paul gets ready to go on the second missionary journey. And, um, <laughs> Paul doesn't want him to go. Right. And but Paul could have been like, you know, fine. Really resentful. Yeah, yeah. fine. I'll take you. And they part, yeah, he tells the truth and they part, yeah, they the part and ways, they part ways right. but toward the end of Paul's life,
1: there's a reconciliation. Yeah.
0: He says, and, and I think, and it's Barnabas, John Mark.
1: right, because, because they yeah. want him to take John Mark and he takes Barnabas instead. Yeah. And um, actually we studied, we did this because <laughs> the Grove is weird. We did this as a story for our vacation Bible school last year when we were talking about friendship mm. and the place of conflict and friendship and yeah. being able to say that, you know, certain things have seasons. And sometimes you just have to tell the truth about that and trust that God is in it. And we talked about that, that Paul told the truth and that that resulted in this separation and that what God did with that separation was multiply the ministry and that that what they both wanted was authentically what was not their will to be done, but God's will to be done. Mm -hmm. And in the past, they had always seen God's will as being the same thing. And in this instance, Mm. they didn't. And so they had to tell the truth about that and they had to walk separate paths, but they didn't, you know, it doesn't, I mean, obviously you're reading a text that's, you know, thousands of years old, but it doesn't look like there's great enmity. I mean, you don't have a letter, like a slam letter from Paul saying Uh, like, oh, that John Mark, what a...
0: There's no Facebook post. (laughs) Correct. There's no... um,
1: and, And so I think, but yeah, I think that's exactly it, that there are times when we just have to say... You know, my fidelity to the will of God comes first, but there's always a way that I can work out my faith in love, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can be, I can even feel like I need to part from you, but I don't need to kick you on my way out the door or, or destroy things as I leave. I can do it in great reverence and humility of saying, like, I think that this is God's will. But I also know I could be wrong. Mm. So I'm going to do this in gentleness and in love. And I'm going to, we were saying earlier, I'm going to, absorb blame mm-hmm. with rather than pass it on to someone else so so yeah that's what we're talking about on sunday i had a text in my head and then i lost the text in my head and so i hope i trust that god's gonna give it back to me yes. but it's tuesday and i don't have it yet so i said jesus for the win what are you preaching about
0: we are preaching uh, Nehemiah eight ten, and oh, you know, yeah, um, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, fun! And one of those texts, you know, you see on coffee mugs, printed on T shirts, mm-hmm. and I, I've never studied the text, but the the context of that line is fascinating. So um, Nehemiah and others are rebuilding Jerusalem after the exile. Uh, to Babylon. They've returned. And several times in the text, um, I started reading through Nehemiah yesterday, and several times in the text, uh, they mention rubble. Just, there's just rubble all around, the, yeah. the season ruins. And they're they're rebuilding. And not only do they have this hard task of rebuilding Jerusalem, but um, while they were in exile, of course, people from other nations right. moved Amen. in. Yeah. And so uh, there's lots of opposition, not only ridicule, but uh, the threat of violence.
1: Right, right. Because that, isn't that where it says like they had to have some people guarding and other people building? And yes. That,
0: yeah. uh, so the work that is before them is really hard, mm-hmm. and you would almost not fault them for quitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they press on, and there's a place, well, verse or, or chapter 8 where the people they just gather mm-hmm. for worship. Mm-hmm. Not the spiritual leaders gathering them, the people just gather mm-hmm. and they say go mm-hmm. get the preacher. Mm-hmm. Go get Ezra. And Ezra just reads the law for about 5 hours. Right. Everyone stands and they read and they hear it and they they're just they're, they're grieving cuz they know the very thing or things that took their ancestors into exile mm-hmm. are the very things That They still do that. They're good. How can we avoid that? Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: uh, so not only do they have this hard work of rebuilding, they see that they're no better than their ancestors. Mm -hmm. And when they start to grieve, Nehemiah says, um, don't grieve. As a matter of fact, go drink sweet drinks, eat good food, rejoice, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, so I've just been sitting with that for um, um, a day, and um, it seems to me that what the text is saying is that the way to joy in a hard season is to rejoice, that you have to do something on purpose to get to joy. And as we were saying on the walk, it's, it's difficult for mainline Christians to think about rejoicing. That's not something that we do. We don't tend to gather to celebrate.
1: Right. And I think what's hard is like, if I look at American culture and the way that we celebrate, none of it
0: is healthy or holy.
1: Right. (laughs) Like, I mean, the reality is like some of it is not unhealthy, but none of it is edifying. Like Mm -hmm. none of it is upbuilding. Right. Mm -hmm. So I mean, Mm -hmm. like I would be worried that people would hear that text and go like, that that nehemiah is saying go and consume mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm, you'll feel better mm-hmm. right and i do feel like lots of people myself included like oh it's the end of a long day what am i going to do i'm not a wine drinker but i'm a chocolate eater mm-hmm, right and so mm-hmm. i would say like oh i'm really looking forward to sitting down on my couch watching some reruns of the office and eating chocolate and while i don't think that that's like evil it's also not a kind of celebration that will upbuild me yeah, and make me stronger yeah, yeah. for the work that God has given me. And so I, I, I think that that is the challenge is to help people break down, like what is a healthy and holy edifying way to celebrate? Cause I don't, not only do I think that we don't have a spiritual imagination for that, I don't think we have a cultural imagination for it either. And I think that when the culture shows us images of what celebration is, a lot of it is, you know, really, really un unhealthy or unholy. So whether it's like a shopping spree or, you know, you know, getting getting wasted or you know whatever that those things we picture them as celebration, but there's actually I mean it's all of that um, Christian hedonism stuff that yeah. Tim Keller does that we're made no, for pleasure. Piper. Piper, Piper, John Piper does mm-hmm. that we're made for pleasure, but we mm-hmm. we the kind of pleasure we we gravitate towards is not holy.
0: And uh, if you read a chapter or two over, there's a line that says something like. Um, the rejoicing uh, and, and they're, they're, they're in a place of worship that it's so loud mm-hmm. that you could hear it throughout the city.
1: Well, yeah. And one of my, one of my friends, um, Bob talks about um, worship in Liberia and talks about what an amazing experience mm-hmm. that is for him, because it is so joyful that it yeah. is just a party and he yeah. experiences yeah. it so much as what, rejoicing in the kingdom of heaven is like will Mm. be like and and just how difficult that is for a lot of americans to feel feel comfortable in that space Mm -hmm. and i do think it has something to do with like the amount of comfort and ease that we take for granted in Mm. our everyday lives Mm. and that we find pleasure in it and so then when Supernatural, or holy pleasure is available, it just doesn't satisfy us, and we talked earlier about like needing a palate mm-hmm. shift, like yeah. as yeah like a lot of times our palates become accustomed to eating and craving the things that are least healthy for us, but that you can you can shift your palate so you begin to crave the things that actually build life, and I think that we probably as American Christians, need a palate shift in terms of where we find pleasure and joy, and I think that would be the i mean an exciting thing for your congregation to do in the entire year is to think about, well, what is joy for us and how can we begin to label different things, joy and acquire a taste Mm -hmm. for them Mm -hmm. and not to expect, you know, not to expect to be instantly satisfied by the things of God when we've been developing. Yeah, Last night I
0: said to our elders, um, I said, "I, I watched you. I watched you and the congregation during our Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. worship time. Uh, And of course we had, you know, uh, again, I'm an African-American pastor pastoring a historically white congregation. And we had several congregations join us for Christmas Eve. All are African-American and uh, one brought their gospel choir and this gospel choir was singing and members of our congregation, they were loving it. Mm -hmm. They were clapping. Mm -hmm. They were smiling. They loved it. And they told me so afterwards. And um, you like it when you encounter it. right. now we have to step into it and become it yeah, and that's yeah. that's the that's the I think that's the palette change you're talking about
1: Well, and I think when, yeah like you have to manufacture i mean like
0: we're waiting for someone to come and bring us the joy and the rejoicing. For us to
1: consume it. Yes. As opposed to us doing the spiritual theological work of saying, I'm going to remember. Yeah. I am going to give thanks. Yes. I'm going to, I mean, I, and there's a great essay in one of Elie Wiesel's books and I, and I come back to it a lot that he, and I, I'm not going to be able to name it, but I'll, i later on, but he talks about going behind the iron curtain and visiting a Jewish community during during one of the high holy days, and this very old man coming into the synagogue, and it was this very you know dour and joyless place for tons of very understandable yeah. reasons, right like yeah. there was very little to rejoice about and and then he records this this man like going to the 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 minion the other people there and saying like this is." I don't know what day it was, but like, this is the holy day and we are commanded to rejoice and we will rejoice and we have a visitor here and he's from America and he needs to see us rejoice. And this man like does this work of reminding and retelling the story and leading the people into rejoicing. And so then it becomes this very authentic Mm. communal rejoicing. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, he turns to Ali Wiesel and says, tell them that we rejoiced. Make sure you tell them that we rejoiced. And he says, I'm not sure we're worthy of that gift, right? And like, that resonates with me and I'm still sort of unpacking all the Mm. levels of meaning Mm. for me, but I do think, and it goes with being a living faith, like we... We are the people mm-hmm. who have seen a great light mm-hmm. and we need to do the work of orienting ourselves individually and our community to that great light mm-hmm. and to doing the rejoicing so that the good new the world can see good news in us instead of us just walking around with our hands out, like everybody else saying like, yeah. what's good lately? Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Too bad yeah. for us. There should always be something good because the center of our lives is this reality of Jesus's resurrection. And we believe that this means that God has ultimately overcome and destroyed sin and death. And that means for us, there's always something to rejoice in, but it will take effort to orient our lives to that story. And I just feel like we don't, like we want to Netflix it, right? We just want to binge it. And that's not how the spiritual life Mm -hmm. works. And so I think we need to adjust all those expectations. I'll send you the link to that Good. Yeah. it's it's really really amazing yeah. um it's like two or three pages i there have been times where i have really read most of it in wow. a sermon just wow. to be able to say hey we we wow. have a spiritual inheritance and with that inheritance comes a responsibility yeah so yeah. anyway um wow it's well, i didn't even set the timer but i think we've been talking a long time so we should stop